Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. Should you be authentic in politics or should you not be authentic in politics? That's a question that comes up for me repeatedly in my conversations with people here on the show, but also in other contexts of authenticity and whether it's good to be authentic, something to strive to or not. And in today's episode, I want to briefly present to you my thoughts on that and what I've come across in arguments in favor and against. And I first want to start with the three arguments against being authentic. And the first one of that is especially when we're in politics, it's expected of us not to be authentic. And that argument is about self-monitoring, also called emotional labor. And the fact that very often we need to manage our emotions. We need to perhaps not say 100% of what we truly think and feel in the moment. And we need to manage ourselves in that way. And that's especially true in politics. Um, I've come across this quote by Michael Ignatieff. He's uh, been a, a former politician in Canada, high-level uh, politician in Canada. And he said, quote, once you enter politics, you're always on show. You never jump a queue. You never get impatient with a driver or a waitress or a checking clerk. You never lose your temper. You never fail to light up when someone comes over for a picture or an autograph. You surrender the entirety of your private life for the duration. People are watching. End of quote. And now this is not only true in politics. When we are in a position of leadership, then we need to manage ourselves in that regard as well. Often it's really important to be positive and to be inspiring in a team, even if things are not going as they should, right? People are looking to you to um, perhaps inspire, show emotions that you might not really feel, but that's in the service of others that you, that you control yourself in that way, that you manage yourself in that way. So the bottom line here of the argument is that to self-monitor is part of many of our jobs, and especially so in politics. The second argument for not being authentic in politics is that it's not easy to know what it means to be authentic. 
And especially if the question is, who is it that you're authentic to? That is not so clear. That is also not set in stone. So first of all, it's not clear. We know from psychology, we have different parts. We've got different elements to ourselves. There is not that one true part of us. There might be parts of us that are more fundamental than others. But in my work, I found it ex extremely valuable to acknowledge that there are these different parts in us. And then the question is, you know, do we 100% identify with only one of those and dispense with all, all the other parts of ours? And what's the cost of that? So, and then a second argument then is that who are you being authentic to when you're saying I'm authentic to myself if we acknowledge that there are different elements and different selves that we could be authentic to? And the third argument against being authentic is quite a powerful one, I believe. And it's that often when we say I want to be authentic or often framed in a negative, it's I'm not doing that because that's not authentic to who I am, then often that is an excuse. It's an excuse for inaction. It's an excuse for not doing something. It's an excuse for not saying, hey, this is not who I am. I cannot do this. I won't do this. Often when it comes to politics, it's in the form of, um, well, you know, uh, public speaking, that's just not who I am. Or running for office, competing with other ideas, other candidates who are representing those ideas, that's not just not who I am, right? And so the argument against authenticity in this regard is to say, let's not make authenticity an excuse for an action. And this argument is closely linked with the argument for a growth mindset. This idea that we can go around in the world with two sets of beliefs. One is a fixed mindset and one is the growth mindset. The fixed mindset is all about, you know, this is who I am. When I'm failing at something, well, it just shows that I'm not good at this. It's just not, it's just not within my capabilities. A growth mindset acknowledges failure as, you know, something that's giving you feedback about how much effort perhaps you put into something. It gives you information on what hasn't worked, but always with an, with an insight, but always with a thought that, well, I, I might become better at this. You know, Having failed in this moment does not mean that I cannot do it. It's just, what, what can I learn from this? And when authenticity becomes an excuse for inaction, authenticity also can become an excuse for opting for a fixed mindset. Now, there are also arguments in favor of being authentic. And I want to present those to you as well. So the first one is that it is sustainable on a personal level to be authentic, to have some congruency between how we act and how we feel and what we think. So the first element of, of this argument is that we know that the self-monitoring, so going back to what is expected of us to manage our emotions, to perhaps not fully show how we truly feel about a topic, 
that this is stressful. We know this from research. And we also know, on the other hand, that if you can be yourself, if you can truly express how you feel, that has positive consequences. But the act of sharing itself is also beneficial, is also healthy. As humans, we want to share. We want to express how we feel. Self-disclosure, studies show us, is in itself an act that is rewarding to us as humans. So, and you know, self-disclosure, this is where journaling might come in. This is where talking to a good friend might come in, therapy. So at least if we've got those moments to be congruent and express ourselves, to be authentic in a certain context that um, that helps us that helps us deal with the stress that helps us perhaps reduce it and that makes our jobs more sustainable there's also one element here of this argument that congruency is sustainable is that not just to have those pockets of moments where we can disclose ourselves but it's also of being congruent with core aspects of who we are now, this links back to the earlier argument about that we have different selves, but we know that things like personal values, like those, those few things that are really important to us in life, if we've got a well-defined purpose in our lives as well as the reason why we're standing up in the morning, knowing that and living aligned with those, living aligned with your personal values and your purpose, that is, if that's the definition of authenticity, then I think this is truly, truly something powerful, it's truly something to live up to. The second argument then in favor of authenticity is that authenticity, when we define it as being who we are, being perhaps vulnerable in that way to show who we truly are, how we feel at least in the moment, how we think and what we think, that can be powerful. That can be powerful. And it's the whole argument of going for vulnerability as something that is really powerful for ourselves, but also for those around us that, um, amongst others, Brené Brown, researcher in the US, has made. And we know from other studies as well that these two sides of vulnerability, if we define it as, you know, we, we are being, we're, we're showing warmth here, perhaps we're showing that we are not truly perfect, that we are just relatable, that we are just normal, that we fail and, and all of that. Uh, in addition to a perception of competence, that those two together really can increase our impact on others, much more than if we were just on one side of th that equation, right? Much more than if we just showed warmth or if we were mostly seen as someone who's competent without any warmth. It's the reason why, for example, U.S. presidents, when they go into the White House, usually they get a dock, yeah? And they get a dock because, well, it shows relatability. There's some warmth to that. Huge caveat here is research tells us that we first need to establish competence. We first need to establish at least, at least a perception of competence. And then adding vulnerability and warmth, that, that then can increase our impact and our influence and not the other way around. So a certain level of um, competence or a perception of competence needs to be there for, for warmth and vulnerability then to add to our impact. The third argument and 
final argument in favor of authenticity is that, well, if authentic is something that is directed at authentic to a current view, the current um, state of who I am, then it goes against the growth mindset. But if we redefine being authentic as being the author, so that goes back to the Greek original meaning of being authentic, which is acting on your own authority, being self-authoring, then what we're doing is we're changing authenticity from a static view to something that is more like a process. And then we're getting into the territory where psychology theories of development, such as that of Maslow, theories of self-actualization, we're getting into that territory. It's um, We're not static, we're not fixed to a certain who we are right now, but we are committed to a process of self-actualization, a process of becoming something and that allows us then also to be to feel uncomfortable and that's possibly one reason why we might want to often not go for something and use this excuse of authenticity it's because it it doesn't feel right perhaps public speaking doesn't feel right and obviously yeah for most of us actually it's something that we are afraid of that we are nervous about but here the point is you know what does that feeling and what does the information give you? What does it provide you? Is it um, showing you that this is not who you are or is this providing you information about, well, I'm not used to this, right? And I'm at the beginning of a process. Um, perhaps I need to learn a little bit more how to, how to do this. Perhaps I just need to do more of it to get more comfortable with it. And so this argument of redefining authenticity as being the author of being on a journey and a process of self-actualization allows us to be and to feel uncomfortable at the beginning of a practice, a behavior that is new to us, not use authenticity as an excuse, but using it as part of the process of becoming something, of becoming something else. And so those are the arguments here against authenticity and in favor of authenticity. If you want to hear my own perspective on this, I'm a big believer in a growth mindset. So for my own life and for those around me, if I've got their permission, uh, I want to challenge myself and others to not see authenticity as an excuse for inaction. So I think that argument really is a powerful one. And I've come across it in my own life. Uh, whenever I'm at a moment where something is uncomfortable and I tend to say, hey, perhaps that's not just who I am, I want to at least give myself a chance to try it out, to do something. Because, and that's the second thing I really believe in, is that's by the doing of something, uh, we learn so much. And it's not just only doing, it's doing and reflecting. But sometimes we need to switch it around and, you know, do first and then reflect rather than reflect and plan and analyze and only later do. And it's something that I've been guilty of in the past. So those two things together, let's not have authenticity as an excuse for an action. Rather, 
let us see how we can be authentic to deeper parts of ourselves, to our core personal values, to our purpose. Let's be authentic to those around us that we trust. Let's disclose ourselves in that safe space. But also acknowledge that when we are acting in the world, when we are taking responsibility, when we're taking leadership, then there are certain things expected of that. And, and part of that is, is self-monitoring as well and managing ourselves. So um, that's kind of a mixed argument there. And again, I hope this has been food for thought and that you get some value out of this podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.